Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined by Tom Kennett. And for this episode, we're going to be taking a look at the newly released Amazon documentary, Arsenal All or Nothing. Now, we can get the joke out of the way very early that it was nothing, ultimately. Heard that joke more times than I can count, and I'm still hearing it today, people messaging me as if it's a brand new thing I've not heard before. So <laughs> I'm hoping that just kind of clears that now, and I don't have to hear it again. Um, we're going to take it. A- you spoiled it for a lot of people who didn't know how it ends as well. So yeah, simultaneously ruin the joke, and the 1% that doesn't actually know, <laughs> I'll end up with nothing, now no. Well... We're going to take a look at the episodes in chronological order. So I'll break this down by episode. I'll put that in the description in the timestamps. So ideally watch all three episodes and then listen to us. If not, I mean, I say just listen to us and hopefully that paints enough of a picture. But basically, (laughs) don't listen to this and then complain about spoilers when that is the literal purpose of this recording. I would be staggered if somebody is listening to it and has not watched it. I would... (laughs) Truly... Well, I thought that, and then Keenan and Sean both said that they listened to the Rewatchables podcast for films they've not seen. Oh, that's like a, another friend of ours who reads what happens in a film before watching Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, all of these things baffle me, but that's the reason I put that precursor out there, because obviously these people walk among us. It's a fetish. Yeah. Within this... I guess it's interesting to look at what we did see and also what we didn't see because there's a couple of things I've highlighted that were left out of this documentary Mm. and I obviously knew some things would be left out but some things that I thought were going to be quite big storylines were cut out of that. So we've got Daniel Kaluuya narrating this. I'd argue a step up from Idris Elba on the Spurs one. Didn't Tom Hardy do the Spurs one? So who did uh, who did Idris Elba do? Did he do the City one? Maybe. It's definitely people, a step being, up. people being shook by um I think they only got about halfway through and realised it was Tom Hardy, so yeah. people say they were shook to their core. Alright, it's definitely a step up from Tom Hardy. The range we've got from Kaluya in this sensational. Talk to Harper about Tom Hardy's <laughs> range. Is he a Spurs fan, Tom Hardy, or not? I took it from that that he was. That is a total assumption, though. You know, I can't imagine him sitting and watching football. No. No, I'm not sure. Well, I know Daniel Kaluuya is an Arsenal fan. I don't know if you saw Him his describing interview. you as wankers. Yeah. yeah I did enjoy that. <laughs> that. We all know it. We all know it. Maybe. There was, a, there was a guy trying to argue the case. He's like, look, come on, just, just face <laughs> yeah. it. Man. Just face it. Come on. Yeah. Um, although that felt very much like you would have been in the crowd. No, we're not that bad. And he's <laughs> come on, come on. I'd ask him to ensure that everyone knows it's not just Arsenal fans. Like Arsenal fans might all be wankers, but then Liverpool fans may also. We should I mean, we should have got a ranking from him. So where, <laughs> where do you think you rank? Well, we start this documentary then after the kind of uh, precursors and everything. It's, it's with Bukayo Saka, who you had to imagine alongside Arteta, was going to be one of the focal points of the documentary. I mean, I'm sure you're going to build into this, but and I'm sure each episode is going to focus a little bit more on different players as we saw. But 
he's a bigger sort of character and leader than I ever thought, really, Saka. Even if you just look at how he interacts with the other players, yeah. I do think he has got quite a leadership role, actually, in a way that I was not expecting. Well, there was talk of him getting the captain's armband, but it was always chucked in there as kind of a, well, what about why couldn't Saka get it? And I remember it being even mentioned on TalkSport and people are like, oh, they're just trying to chuck this on him because the, the discussion was basically someone said, why doesn't Saka get it? And then the whole discussion was, well, he's not a leader, is he? And that was the whole thing flipped and the discussion was, hmm. why Bukayo Saka should not get the captain's armband? But I didn't need to see that penalty again, to be honest with you. I, I definitely <laughs> didn't need to see that. I don't think any of us did. No. Um but we showed him returning from the Euros. And I don't know if you'd seen that kind of mural they'd done for him before with like all the letters yeah. and things. Yeah. But there's a bigger piece of that that was on the Arsenal channel. That's really it? good. Yeah. Yeah, no, because it, it did it did sort of do the rounds. Um, I remember seeing it thinking that's actually a genuinely nice thing. Not, not often yeah. you have that in football, yeah. but a genuinely quite nice moment. And so, yeah, you get this whole thing kind of building around him. He explains the story of how he joined Arsenal. I think he had been at the likes of Chelsea's academy and all of this. So I don't know. It's a good story to tell now that once Arsenal are in for you, they're the only ones you're interested in. But we'll choose to believe it. <laughs> Even that that whole thing, I was never good enough that my mum or dad ever had to worry about that. But that whole thing of some bloke on a sideline that walks up with a business card to give you. It feels a bit sinister, doesn't it? I, I find it just... Baffling when I saw that Per Mertesacker was the head of youth development at Arsenal, and you'd hear him speak to like our under tens, and it's like this is so nuts that mm. this happens. Like, I always just yeah. assumed when we were younger that it's like 15, 16, where if you're good enough, you just get picked up. But then I think back to primary school, and I can remember kids in our class, a kid in our class had a trial for Man United. And so it does make a lot more sense now. Yeah, I kind of had the opposite thing where it's sort of like, I just assumed you were in an academy from the age of like seven. So if you weren't, you just weren't that good. <laughs> it's kind of, <laughs> everyone here is really, like if you thought like the best player in your squad, well, wow, he's really good, but he's not in an academy. So therefore, these players must be unbelievable. Whereas, obviously, I think the best player in our school ends up does join, join a club actually. So yeah. it's a different thing. Because... I guess even if you, you put him to one side, I think we've had the discussion before that you would play with people even at the individual schools we went to and then people that we know where you'd see them. And they're so much better than I could even imagine being. And then it puts it really into perspective at how much better like these other kids are. Like You hear the stories about like Joe Cole at like 14 yeah, must, years old and just being like... Must have been freakish, mustn't it? I, I, I dread to think. Um, wouldn't mind him being on your side in Wembley doubles. You'd have been having an absolute dream. <laughs> Stand there, tap him in. You did a work, Joe. I also really like with Saki throughout this in the episodes, and I've got a couple of things down for the other episodes, but just his chats at the dinner table just do put things into perspective, don't they? Like him just being astonished at going to Waitrose for a meal deal and dealing with the fame that he just walks outside and there's eight members of staff stood around wanting a picture of him, even when he's masked up. Yeah, that was great. In fact, he did seem genuinely shocked. Yeah. <laughs> like the other players were like, what, what did you think was going to happen? He's like, well, I was masked up. Whatever. And his, um, 
<laughs> there's a there's one in the later episode. I think it's episode three, but he's trying to explain things to like these foreign players. As they're trying to explain like what a maze is. Yeah. And they're just looking like absolutely like flummoxed by the whole thing. I thought it's nice that you do see some actual sort of he's actually trying to sort of talk to these people. It isn't just a, oh look, there's a camera now, I'd better say something. When when he said that, I suddenly thought, how would I explain a maze to someone? <laughs> and I yeah, think you could, said- but it would be it would be difficult, even especially when you're explaining it to someone who that isn't their first language. Yeah, I wouldn't have had a chance. No, I would have been exactly the same as second where he, he goes to explain it and then he just pauses and be like, <laughs> I have no idea what I'm about to say. <laughs> I have no idea. And I thought you actually saw um, a good bit of Arteta when they were standing around on the training ground and he said, well, he's got it fine now. He gets an applause at every single ground he goes to. He's all right. Good sense of humor, that was yeah. good. Yeah, I did enjoy it. He's uh, Saka is fully his favorite. He's fully teacher's pet. You see that in the... Uh, the bit where the second episode, I think it is, where Arteta does a, a test that isn't a test. Saka's all but fucking putting his <laughs> hand up and sitting yeah. up, chest out. Because Ramsdale said when he was on Crouch's podcast that it was um, Erdegaard. And Erdegaard was interviewed by Opta, I think it was, last week. Hmm. And the interviewer must have just been a fan of his podcast because he said, I do have a separate question for you. Um, are you parched? And Erdegaard just looks, he's like, now I know, I know who said this. I know Aaron said this. And he was like, <laughs> he's like, but I don't know if he was joking or not. I don't know if he was being serious. In his head. Um, I, I can fully imagine either of those two being there, the teacher's pet. Mm. Uh, frankly, in that dressing room, someone like Saka <laughs> probably would be your favourite, wouldn't he? There is a thing with Saka as well. Like, I knew going in just from what I'd seen from already that I mean if you want to take any kind of expression that I'd run through a brick wall for him I'd run through however many brick walls you wanted me to run through for Bakayo Saka I don't know how I'd feel if he was a Spurs player like if I could find a way to dislike him he probably could I'm sure I could yeah (laughs) but from my vantage point I find it so mind-boggling that anyone could have a bad word to say about him yeah, no, I and they are other than him missing that penalty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, he, yeah, he does seem the word like humble or whatever is always overused yeah. because invariably it's used by like a footballer or a boxer or some sort of athlete or celebrity who, who's telling you how humble they are. Yeah, like, yeah. But there's already a problem there. But he is like genuinely just seems like a down to earth, like nice kid. So, and. The other then, uh, the central part of, I guess, all of the episodes, and particularly the first one, we weren't sure how Arteta was going to come across here. And I think we got a bit of an idea from the early clips that were coming out with some of the team talks about just more, he was more of an eccentric character than I think we perhaps imagined. Um, it's, I think we spoke about it, it perhaps being a great PR thing from his point of view. Like he would think, that he's going to look really good coming out of this. Yeah. And I think it has kind of gone as we expected because the clips of which he's getting, whether it's criticism or just being memed, are the ones where it's not him speaking to the camera. It's like a separate thing where you're just seeing him at work. Mm. And they're the clips that people (laughs) are making comments on, which I guess we'll get to the team talks. Yeah. You kind of... um... 
I think the first first episode, he's kind of all right. It doesn't go fully. I mean, obviously, David Brent has been the comparison, hasn't he? And I, when I saw some of the clips earlier, I was going to message you saying he's probably lucky he's Spanish and quite suave looking, or else he'd be getting hammered probably. He's probably getting if, away with something. If, if Brendan Rogers, episode, he's okay. But, well, yeah, exactly. If Brendan was doing him, Christ, could you imagine? So we get this thing of him, uh, I think it's Edu saying that he's the youngest man. They say about six times, he's the youngest manager in the league. This is the youngest <laughs> one in the league. Yeah, they keep going on. I yeah. got it, lads. I think I got it. And then you get this clip of him and then it pans to Saka, who says, oh, he's, he's one of the best coaches I've worked with. I think he's worked with four, maybe. I don't even think he worked with Wenger. So he's worked with Unai Emery, Freddie Lundberg, and uh, Arteta in first team football. Um he says, oh, he's so good with the details, just his tactical, tactical knowledge. We can really see all this. He's so good at explaining things. And then they go to Xhaka, who says, he's a freak, but in a positive way. <laughs> he's like, he realizes what he's just said. He's like, oh, yeah. I've, got to, I've got to put this put this right. I'm not in a position where I can go calling the manager a freak. But Kyle I, can do that. I can't. I believe it's next week we get an episode that's centered around Granite Xhaka. And okay, everything that people have kind of said about it so far is that he's just going to charm everyone. I'm sure. And I think he is that kind of guy. His, his, his issue isn't whether he's a nice or horrible bloke or not. It's uh, how boneheaded he can be on the pitch. But I'm yeah, intrigued the, to see. The thing about, um, you know, I think we spoke on the pod a, a while ago that I felt I was going to say it was just going to be a bit of a puff piece for Arsenal and Arteta because obviously they have basically creative control. Yeah. I thought, is that going to dilute my interest in this? And I, I will confess, the first three episodes, I was engrossed. I still watched and, and was was intrigued by it. Even if some of our fears on that are true, I think we are yeah, getting enough. Yeah, definitely. The, other, the, the only thing being, there is a, a little bit of, obviously, you won't agree with this, but the neutral is watching... A lot of this for a bit of car crash. If I accept we're not going to yeah, get a yeah, lot, yeah. I want to see some. And our best hope of that is early in the season and the end of the season. And so we're kind of, by the end of this grouping of episodes, we've kind of got, we're getting through like the roughest part probably for Arteta. So there is a bit of, uh, it's sort of like I've gone to a top loader gig and they've done Dancing in the Moonlight. And I'm a little bit worried now. We're only we're four <laughs> songs in. And they've already gone with their best work. I'm wondering where we're going to go next. Yeah, well, yeah, I can relate because I watched the Man City one. And I watched it, I think, I didn't really know too much about it. And then it, it must have come out around Christmas, I think. Or I, I had some time off work. I can't think why. but I, Or maybe I just watched it at Christmas. But I binged it all in about It did, days. didn't it? Because they, yeah. didn't they do, uh, was that when they first got the games over Christmas? So it was kind of like people ended up getting prime, a lot of people, and then well, running the city dark and but the football. I could be misremembering. Well, I, I literally just asked Keenan if he'd watched it, and he said, absolutely fucking not. That's the year they beat us to the title. Because <laughs> it's the year with a Sane goal, isn't it? Uh, it's the year before that, isn't it? Okay. They definitely won it. I know I think, that much. Yeah, I think I think I remember they won it at Kansas. Well, it's going to be Centurion's year. Yeah, yeah, it was, but okay. we do knock them out of the Champions League. So, yeah, so I remember watching that. Was that a real and, quiz. Yeah, and my thinking with that was it was going to be interesting to see how these high level athletes are yeah. and how they perform and how they stay at this level. I and mean, then the Spurs one, as you've pointed out, 
everything that we knew around that was like, I can't wait to see how horrendous this is. And they gave us exactly that. Like, they didn't even give us a challenge for anything. Like, by the end, it felt like there wasn't an ending. And I'm not even saying that as a Spurs joke, but there wasn't. It was it was them trying to get in the Europa League was literally the ending of the... Yeah. Literally yeah. the ending of the series. Um, and so with this one, I know... <laughs> I, I'm Not that I know how it ends, but I know how depressing it's going to be when it ends. <laughs> um, and so I just wanted to see a little closer insight on some of these players. And I guess we'll go through them. There's not really anyone I've seen too much different from yet than what I expected. Uh, maybe one player actually in the in the next episode, but Arteta, I, I wrote down in my notes. I don't know how he pulls off the neck beard. <laughs> it's very rare that you can have a beard that low down in your neck and not look like a scruff. And somehow, he manages to do it all right. It's the it is just that thing, isn't it? Suave Spanish guy. Yeah, Spanish, Portuguese, Italian. You can. We haven't had many of his turtlenecks yet in this. Must no. be uh, not winter yet. Um, oh yeah, so we're basically building up to the Brentford game at this point. Mm. This was one of my disappointments here because you read everything that went on surrounding this game. There was the COVID cases in the camp uh, within the, the couple of days before the game, which they referenced, but Arsenal put in a request to the Premier League for this to be cancelled. I know that there were some training sessions that couldn't be done properly because of COVID issues. And I thought there was going to be some reaction to us trying to get the game cancelled, everything that was kind of going on around that, and maybe a reaction to what well, we're going to play. We're going to give Balogun his debut. We don't even see him or anything to do with him. The fact that he started his first game on the opening of the Premier League season away in these awful circumstances, and there's just nothing from it. We get Balligan's doing the uh, the James Caan when he sees the Godfather. You cut, yeah. my, you cut my best bits. Like I thought that would be that would be an interesting thing for me because it's last minute he's being told like he's literally being told yeah. the day of the game you're making your Premier League debut. I thought there would be so much there that you could have got good TV out of, and I don't know if maybe the ah I may have read something actually they may not have been able to get the cameras in the dressing room because they're so small at Brentford. Okay. Okay. There may be something to do with that. There may be something to do with that. I'll have to have a look after. Maybe talk even about some it. reaction to um, yeah, you applying for it to be called off. Well, I thought you would have got something on there. Someone losing their rag. Like, oh, I thought we were going to cancel this. Yeah, but we don't do. We, we it kind of just gets brushed, it's to brushed the side, over. Really. Yeah, entirely. Well, they have the you you hear the press conference at the start where they say, look, Arteta, you've had two eighth place finishes now. Surely this has got to be the season where we start to see something. And then I think they say that a loss here and Arteta will already start to feel under pressure. Yeah. And then we get the reaction. I was going to ask you, how do you think Josh Kroenke came across in this? <laughs> I've noted down here. Firstly, for this bit, I've gone, stay the hell away from the training ground. We don't need you there. <laughs> It looks so weird when there's someone in a shirt, doesn't it? It looks so uncomfortable, doesn't it? Um, and then I don't know if it was reassuring or hugely concerning how pally he was with Arteta, especially straight after that Brentford <laughs> loss. And you know, you've got Chelsea and City coming up, and he's just kind of, you know, 
uh, it's the boys, 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 boys. Like, I, I, I read that a bit differently because he says to Arteta, doesn't he? he? Says you're right though, aren't you? And he says, yeah, yeah, in a way that definitely reads as I'm absolutely not okay. Like I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not good. Yeah. But I, I think there has been a real thing with them where after the Super League thing, which like, they weren't the only people to do that. They, they're just trying to be more visible. So if there's a camera around, they want to be in front and centre. And they want it to look... Because a lot of the complaints were, we've never even seen you at a game. Yeah. And so yeah. I think they're trying to do a real thing there. I guess it's better for them to know them than not know them. But I do get what you mean in terms of... <laughs> there needs to be a level. Maybe because it's not Stan, it's... Stands ultimately the one that makes the decisions. I'm not sure. And that, and that was obviously one of the things I felt going into this, which we expressed before, was that Arteta has a pretty crazy level of control of it for such an inexperienced manager. And I found that he was just dominating those above him as well as the team. And obviously, Kronky as a result does kind of, if I had like sort of a bias coming in, does only seek to kind of confirm that bias with his actions a little bit. Because even... I don't want to jump ahead too much, but if you ask my opinion on Kroenke, in the aftermath of the City game, he, if I was unsure, I don't think he's ever going to sack this guy because he was, he seemed kind of perplexed that the fans weren't happy with how he'd started the season. He says a few things, doesn't he? He says something along the lines of, um, it's my job to be aware of the narratives, but not necessarily to act upon them. Yeah, and then in conversation with Arteta, he's kind of... uh, he kind of goes down that route of like a girl on Love Island who like everybody is saying this guy's wrong for you. And it just seems to double down more. She's like, you know what we need to do? We need to ignore the outside noise and just focus on ourselves. <laughs> and you're like, I don't know, mate. You haven't scored a goal in the first three games and it's not looking good. But the fans think, have every right to be pissed off. Yeah, I do think if you weren't going to sack him after Brentford, then you don't really sack him after City or Chelsea. No, no. And knowing you've got Norwich coming up, it's... Uh, I I took it as he was trying to reassure him, which, as you said, may not be the best thing. I, I do still do think, ultimately, when it becomes a financial issue, then they would sack him, and so I think there's going to be a lot more pressure on him this season. Um, yeah, I certainly don't think they should have in that instance, but I did think just the sort of lack of pressure. I did wonder, like, what would it have had to have come to yeah. for them to do it? I, I do. That's kind of feels like a dark. Uh, dark four. I think he was trying to reassure him, and he, he had to. A, I guess he's a big guy, isn't he? He's a big guy. Mm. I'm not sure about his beard yeah. either. He's looked at the kind of thought, You know what? I can do. That. <laughs> he's, he's done the bread. He's got the leather jacket. Well, I can do this. You can't. Something I thought before: slow mo shots of Stan Kroenke always look so cool. I don't. It, I think it's the white blazers he wears, but they get these shots <laughs> in of him, him with LeBron, like just sipping on a glass of whatever it is just walking down a corridor and I've seen one before where someone's actually made a cronky compilation, which I know, I know but with, <laughs> but with, with many men in the background as he's walking slow motion and he just looks like the Mac daddy on there. In fairness, how like uncool do you have to be if they drop many men on the background? This, <laughs> yeah. go, this is a shit video. You have to be really, really awkward for it not to work. I thought something that Josh did want to drive home when he was in the Uber, I think it was, where he says, we only took full ownership of this club in 2018. 
because I think there's a thing that's held against them for not spending previously when you actually look at the money spent since 2018. And that's one thing you can't really hold yeah, against them. Um, so I do think he was trying to make that clear without making that clear. Yeah, it's a good point, actually. Yes. Yeah. Seeing seeing the transfer meetings, all I always love. I love that in the City one. I actually think it's cooler when you don't get one of the players and it's just this little tidbit where you can see what goes on, that there are other players that they have these spinning plates. But Agreed. we see Erdegaard on the board, don't we? And they say he's in and then he's explaining why we wanted someone in the number 10 position. We're looking at someone <laughs> for the right back position. By the way, I mean, if we said Arteta is selling himself, it's Edu is just shameless in this. Well, that, when that's he's got, literally... He, he's eventually going, I've, I've, I've identified areas here, here, here. Like, he hasn't bought some of these players. Like, he, yeah. like, you've been directly responsible for some of these guys. He's looking at, like, these right-backs here. Oh, God, how have we ended up with Cedric? Like, oh, you did. It's your yeah, fault. so he, Cedric is, is on him. He'll argue he didn't get a level of control, really, until Emery left. Where just after Emery leaves, they get rid of... Um, Raul Sanyehi, and we still don't know what went on behind the scenes there. But mm-hmm. Edu ultimately survived, and I won't use the animal that I usually do for how he survived. <laughs> but that's when you read anything about him, that is what he does. He knows the right people to schmooze up to, and so I had no doubt he was going to come across well in this. Yeah, we didn't see a lot of him. I just thought he's very aware of this camera here, and he's yeah covering his own back. You see that when Erdegaard comes back in, don't you? And Saka says to him, you're happy, you're happy to be here. And he says, yeah. And then he goes in the medical room and Tierney says, oh, glad to have you back. I saw your wages. Fuck me. <laughs> yeah, Tierney's just come across as a joker and he's oh. like it. Because Erdegaard, in terms of footballers' wages, he's, I think he's on about 80 grand. Tierney's just saying you're not even worth that, mate. He was really yeah. trying to put him in his spot. Because <laughs> like it sounds always sounds there's someone to go, oh, only 80 grand. And it's like, well, in, in the context of this, there's people yeah, at the it's... club like that's around Cedric's wage. Yeah, that's that's pretty mad, isn't it? I mean, it's mad that Cedric's on 80 grand, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's a little bit like in the in the wider context in a minute, we're currently all there crying for Frankie de Jong because he took a pay cut for Barca. He only took three million last year. Yeah. Oh, he must be struggling by. And then, I guess probably the highlight of episode one is Aaron Ramsdale signing. Hmm. That the social media abuse. I know they always get the worst possible examples, but they Bad, weren't. They weren't that uncommon. Some of those messages. The ones saying that he should die. Maybe that was uncommon, but a lot of the ones like threatening him, saying, don't you dare come here. I can remember seeing his his comments suddenly turn off because there was a thing with a lot of Arsenal fans were trying to message him to even the messages out and try and so he didn't have an inbox full of, don't you dare come here. And then, yeah, eventually they were turned off because he was just getting that much abuse. And as he says, it's all the better for it. He can put the messages out now that he wants for fans. He can communicate with his mates and he doesn't have to worry about what else he's going to see. Yeah, he's a... Um... He's more serious at the start of this, isn't he? Than, than you, obviously, we've come to see him in interviews yeah. stuff be quite light-hearted. I know he's probably he's just joined the club, and it's an Amazon doc, so I get it. But you can see he's, a, you know, for all the joking around, he's a pretty serious guy. Were you surprised but, they didn't do more on like there was a the whole thing when he signed that he brought his granddad's ashes, wasn't there? 
Mm. And I thought that would have been not, I mean, we'd already heard it. So it, it was no loss for me that it wasn't in there, but I was quite surprised they didn't include that because these are watched by like American audiences as well. That's the big appeal for doing this. Well, and we'll come on to some of the stuff, but it clearly outlines that by the way. But um, yeah, yeah. Cause they go heavy with the family angle with Ramsdale, don't they? So I'm surprised they, they did that. The guy welcoming Ramsdale, by the way, the, he's some sort of physio or whatever. Isn't yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like, you know, like the friendliest guy. But then he does then go like anything you need, we'll sort it. And he just seems like his face <laughs> dropped. There was a weird sort of serial killer vibe to that. So you're the one anything, we'll sort you. Yeah, exactly. I think it's Gary O'Driscoll, I think his name is. Right, right. He was the classic sort of uh if you joined any company, get that guy welcoming the guy because you're gonna think, Oh god, this is lovely and then once they're in the doors, then you can see how miserable we all are. Yeah, Ramsdale's skateboard story, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? What the hell was he doing? Going down a skateboard on a slide. To be fair, I think me and my brothers probably tried that, but it sounds like it would have been a much smaller slide. Like this was a little garden one. Going down it into a paddling pool. Incredible. I also love the idea they weren't going to go any further with the medical. This guy was just asking him, you ever had any surgery? No, oh, all right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll take your word for it. Well, I know, I know there's a big thing where ultimately you rely on the other club forwarding on the medical records. And there's been some instances before where a club will almost like a bad reference. They'll say, we're not going to send you his medical details and you can read into that how you will. <laughs> and from memory, it was a big thing around Arteta's transfer to Arsenal that he ultimately forced it through on deadline day i think he did it without an agent he took a pay cut to come to arsenal from everton and classic Everton. yeah and he got all of this through where they were that sulking that they just wouldn't give him anything he needed and arsenal just had to take the chance and do their own medical and just bank on nothing appearing but i know the the transfer with sheffield united wasn't on the best of terms so maybe there was a bit of that in there maybe it came later Remember, he had to. He basically told him he'd refuse to play. Yeah, because it's a weird one, isn't it? Where like it was like, well, Arsenal clearly going to get this guy, and the next thing you know, we dragged on over a summer. How the hell have they not got it? Yeah, it was something along the lines of um, his agent said, if you're not letting him leave, then he needs a new contract, which I guess is quite common practice. So we hear. Hmm. And then the owner said, we didn't ask him to take a pay cut when he was conceding goals all of last season. <laughs> How brutal is that? And, and so he's like, oh, I'm off then. Oh, don't be doing that with me. And I mean, said he wouldn't play again. Yeah, it seems, I know you shouldn't, but it seems more than fair. If Arsenal come knocking for you when you're there, it seems pretty obvious what you're going to do. It's not <laughs> the, like it was a shit fee It's like 25 million. I was going to say, yeah, you're getting good money. <laughs> the narration doesn't feel for me, but Ramsdale's last two clubs have been relegated. <laughs> yeah. So it's a step up for Arsenal. Yeah. Him and if we do the Chelsea and City game and then I guess the Norwich mm. game was the ending of it. That Chelsea game, so that was our first home game back after the COVID break. And I know they said Chelsea started well. From memory, I think we actually started pretty well. And I say started like five minutes. And the atmosphere well, was you, rocking, and then Lukaku scored. <laughs> well, I think you made a point at the time that Arsenal fans were saying how well we started. You said, yeah, yeah, we did. But it was like five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> five or ten minutes. 
and then yeah, Lukaku scores. Was always going to score, and yeah, from there, I seem to remember two 0 was quite flattering. It was they didn't really have to do too much after that. No. He he has on the whiteboard in the dressing room, and I think it may have been for the Chelsea game. There's a lot of wolves, and there there's an Arsenal flag up. Did you see this? Yes. So it's, it's all these incident. like that whiteboard sees some things in this yeah. episode. Christ. So there's like a projection. I think it was for the Chelsea game. If not, it wouldn't have been for the Norwich one. Um, yeah. So I'm pretty sure it was for the Chelsea game. But there's like a projection, and it's like a lot of holographic wolves. And, and they're holding Arsenal flags up. <laughs> and everyone in the trailer assumed this was going to be for when we played Wolves. But there was a story Arteta had told years ago before he even came back where Wenger needed a win. And he explained on and he explained on there that they need to be like Wolves, basically. And so I don't think it's as uncommon, these awful speeches, as we think they are. But I wondered if Arteta was calling back to that, but there was no explanation for it in the episode. Just a strange picture up on the wall instead. (laughs) (laughs) And then the City game. uh, Oh, God, it's bleak. I mean, the City game ultimately changes our season because Leno has a poor game and ultimately that costs him his place. Mm. But it wasn't poor enough that he did. He was called up on international duty for a rare occasion here. And so we have that 10 day break where it's just Ramsdale on the training pitch with Arteta. And so that's where he gets gets into the Norwich game following that. Because this is where he gave, I mean, I said he does the team talk in here, doesn't he? The Actually, it's after, well, it's after that game. Um, yeah, I mean, the City game is just harrowing because... The Jacques Red is filmed like uh, in. Gold. He actually does take the ball in that. Yeah, but it's filmed when the build-up to it is like when yeah. Santiago Gavinaris is about to do something shit in goal, <laughs> and it's like, oh god, something's going to go wrong here. And then you, oh yeah, Jacques gets regarded. Yeah, and then by the end of it, Pep looks like he's about to take his dog out the back. <laughs> he's like, yeah, what yeah. have I just done to this man? Yeah, he does look like that. <laughs> yeah, I remember the red card at the time, thinking. You idiot, you stupid idiot. You jumped in with two feet up. And I still kind of feel like that. But at the same time, it's like, he probably couldn't have taken any more of the ball if he tried. Yeah. Just so happens Cancelo is down on the floor like he's just been shot. That being said, Shaka's reputation may have gone against him there. I was shocked we didn't get any fallout to that red card. Like, we didn't get what Arteta said to him (laughs) yeah because I know we're obviously going to get something following the Liverpool League Cup game so I thought that would have been a good thing if you could have both of them because it could be his reaction to the first red card and then the second one's like well this is the second time now it's been yeah particularly tricky when you consider obviously as this goes on in these episodes we end up basically exploring the rift with Aubameyang yeah if you were neutral, who didn't know much about your season, you'd be looking at it thinking, well, hang on, this guy's just got a red card yeah. and let you down. Why isn't he getting a bit of a grilling? So, yeah, you would think you'd maybe get a little bit more uh, into that. I noted down, there's a bloke being interviewed outside the Etihad and he points at the ground. He's like, you hear that? Two now down and they're still singing. That's the passion. It's like, hang on a minute. You're outside the ground. It's before half time. <laughs> You've quit. Let's not put you in with this passion. 
Which an extraordinary decision considering he's in Manchester. <laughs> extraordinary. You may as well stick around at that point, surely. He's definitely if he's on the coach, then that's really setting a marker down. Like he's gonna have to waste anyway. <laughs> or if he's driving it for well, may as well get out of here. You at least wait like I've left games early. The earliest I've left is what, ten minutes early, and that was the Southampton game, which was like eight minutes early. Mm. And I missed a goal, so it served me right. Um Leaving before half time feels like I know what I'm signing up for if I go go away yeah. to Man City. Yeah, I don't, what about this game and your start to the season made him think, well, we, we can't be losing at half time. Well, yeah, I remember last year, well, the start of this year when we played him on New Year's Day, that famous first half performance that we're going to see next week, mm. um, where people were messaging me, You're going down for that game? I was like, Absolutely fucking not. I'm not starting my year off watching us play Man City. I know where that's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> and so going away to the Etihad feels an even bigger case of that yeah yeah his, his genuine surprise at what had transpired was was truly incredible and then I, I mean the Norwich game gets the big builder I was nervous for this game like it was about to be played watching it back when you consider the things they don't spend time on this was pretty extraordinary that they've gone quite this big I can remember this game, though, and for, as an Arsenal fan, it did feel genuinely huge. Well, I mean, I think it probably was for Arteta, wasn't it? It's pretty yeah. fucking huge. And ironically, Pepe and Aubameyang conspired to probably keep him a job. Give <laughs> me all my irony. Oh, we should have had about 10 that day. It was yeah, yeah, insane. Sure. Um, that was I, I was gonna... Go on. Sorry. No, you, had a, you had an anecdote. I oh, about yeah. Well, I, was, I said on the podcast at the time that I was nervous anyway. And this was the trip where just the coach was delayed so much. And then the tube was delayed. And I got in like one minute after kickoff, after near enough running oh. from Finsbury Park Station on a hot day. Oh, no. I just remember just being in bits. I had no water or anything. Just like with the driest mouth for the game. And then ultimately, were you, we, um, yeah, were you up to see it? Yeah, I was, yeah. See, I think if, if you'd lost that, you might have thrown yourself off. I was on the front row of the upper tier. <laughs> I, had a, I had a great view. It was right in the corner where the players came to celebrate after Aubameyang's goal. And they don't show it on there. It's just celebrating. Remember, there was this massive VAR check after that goal. Yeah. <laughs> because it was whether Aubameyang was offside touching in on the line. It yeah. was whether it deflected off someone. And it went on for ages and ages and ages. But and before that, we get an, a, a team talk about open heart surgery. <laughs> Just prior to this, though, there's a bit where the players are sat around and yeah. it's gone, if we don't score, it's the worst start in history of Arsenal. Lacazette said it in a tone that was sort of suggested he's not nearly bothered enough about that. <laughs> Just Lacazette, Lacazette said it's the history of the league. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking. I think you maybe need to go back and study that. But he just kind of said it as a quite a blase. So, oh god, well, could be the worst in this <laughs> the league. I I, I, we do something about that, mate. I liked it with um, Saka, where he was like three 0 or three one. Everyone's like, we're going to concede, but the the manager <laughs> said we can't concede. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. well, I said three 0 or three one. I would have really loved if Sacco turned the gun on them. It's like, lads, have you seen the last three games? <laughs> We're going to concede, all right? We're just going to have to score a few. Even even that, I wouldn't think... And I know, that, I know it was Norwich, but 
I never thought they would speak so confidently. I thought it would always be very much like you can't say it. Like we always say, don't we? If like United are losing, hmm. you can't you you can't say they're going to lose this. It's like you don't touch it, you don't jinx it. So I was surprised to hear them saying, "Well, three one probably." <laughs> <laughs> it was desperate times that they had to feel confidence. Yeah. So wow. in terms of the the speech, I <laughs> said, so, "Lovely, lovely, like nearly died story." Do you think you've wasted an I nearly die story? Because it's Norwich. You think, I should have kept that in my sleeve for another time. I think it was there. My job might not be here tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, so this was fair. <laughs> How long do we think he practiced those drawings? The graph? Well, like Those ones aren't bad. This is really yeah, bad yeah, ones later yeah. in the episode. Uh, he should have spent more time practicing on, frankly. Do... do um hospital workers all love their job is that why they do it yeah i mean yeah feeding the free kids isn't doesn't bring as well in the dress inspirational speech though so we've got to go with it i mean i question where their speech was going <laughs> he's like we lost the city out of look i've got a good family and the players are like <laughs> oh, I mean, it's all right for you <laughs> he's got i mean i mean fully leaning into the brent is like it's not good news and bad news it's just bad news and irrelevant news i've up. got the club Obviously, the club always comes first. <laughs> something something I will say, though, other than the one speech, which we'll speak about in the next episode, um, they do all seem very engaged. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, we'll, we'll come on to the other ones. I actually think yeah. this one's actually quite good. Um, whether he gets drunk on the success of it, I don't know. <laughs> because I actually think this one actually is effective. But uh, yeah, so he... He's getting rapidly out of control as this thing goes on. That's pretty clear to see. Um, seeing bold holding is strangely, yeah, yeah, ha- yeah. strangely haunting. I, I just caught him in the background at one point, and it was like seeing uh, like a before they were famous sort of thing. You know when you'll see like Tom Hardy just looking like <laughs> yeah, a scrub, yeah. or like Cristiano Ronaldo before he got his teeth done. You're like, God, what happened to him? You do remember that that transplant did him a treat. But even you see Gabrielle now. And I think he didn't look that bad before he's had his done, and his is taking just an age to heal back. I wouldn't want to be heading on that. You wouldn't be risking it at all. Because he's just in that, like, it, he looks like an old man, like where he's just got the little bits of hair coming out. His one is a tough break. Tough break. But when he does have his hairline, he, he, he is a good look, so I can see why he's suffering. <laughs> so he probably see why he's fighting. He probably thought it would be uh, healed quicker. <laughs> Yeah, the open heart surgery tour. We get we get the one 0 win. We got this big focus on Ramsdale's family. Hmm. Is that a, a particular type of hat I'm missing that his dad's wearing? Yeah, see, I was I was a little nervous about this. I didn't know either. <laughs> if it is just a fashion choice, it's bold. It, it looks like um, you you see the uh, like Ghanaian people and they have the whole outfit. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like it matches up with that. Because at one point I thought, have I lost his dad and this is just a random guy that's showing? Because I was like, he and you hear him talk and that. it's like, no, this is yeah. definitely his dad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, did, I did like seeing that because I thought, I mean, I, I was probably just as, just as nervous <laughs> as they were, if, if not more. But just the way of them viewing it, like obviously they want 
Arsenal to win, but they ultimately just don't want him to concede. So a nil-nil is not the worst result in the world for them. No. And so they just have this added pressure every time the ball's there where she's going, save it, save it, Aaron. <laughs> it doesn't go near him. Save it, Aaron. It's, yeah. like, it's just going to cross the face of the box. There's nothing for him to do. I, d- I did enjoy the waving down. He he does just seem like like the nicest bloke, Karen Ramsdale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, this episode confirms probably what we already thought about a lot of these players. I don't know if this is still frowned upon by by a lot of people, but I did actually order a goalkeeper shirt yesterday after okay. Ramsdale got the number one shirt announced. Like Whenever I see people wearing a goalkeeper shirt, short-sleeved, but it, there just seems to be a different reaction to it. I think it's got to be a very nice one. And it's way. not really. It's just yellow. Like <laughs> All of the Adidas ones are basically, they've just got the same hexagonal print across them and just different colours. But needed a Ramsdale shit. Yeah. yeah, him him marching up halfway through the game, going, I can't fucking take this. I've been to go for a walk. It's good though. I like seeing that. I think yeah, I don't know if they referenced it on the episode or not. Um after calling Ramsdale, he actually called his dad as well and spoke to him to see what kind of character he was. All oh, right. Nice. And so uh, there's a lot more to it. I was going to mention this on a, one of the later episodes, but it's quite shocking to me now how open the whole thing is with managers just openly calling players that are under contract. <laughs> Outrageous, really. Like, I know it was the Liverpool example was kind of like the Eduardo diving one where it's like this never happens. But when you were done for tapping up Van Dyke. And we just get now just players have signed and then Arteta can say that he was having phone conversations with Ramsdale in July before a bid's been accepted or anything. It's just so weird to me that this is now just a standard a standard well, the whole, thing. The whole thing of transfers as a whole has been flipped in his head because you can agree personal terms before you've agreed to feed with the club. Well, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> what? <laughs> so... Yeah, the whole thing's kind of gone tits up, and I'm not really sure what the rules are anymore. No, it's uh, it's very odd, but I think that's just about it for episode one. We can move on to episode two.